Steel Men podcast, where we take a 15-minute look at a new story and try to have an honest conversation about it. We're the Steel Men. My name is Will, and with me is Jay. Say hi, Jay. What's up, Will? Hey, so considering that I'm a white-passing Latino, how much silent self-reflection do you spend prior to our podcast to consider how your capitalistic white supremacy imperialism and its microaggressions impact me, and what are some of the strategies you adopt to be a better ally? Not at all, and nothing. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about a 12-step recovery program being held at the University of Minnesota by A. Christina Combs. It's supposed to help people recover from the whiteness. Today, we're going to have you, Jay, uh, read over the 12 steps, and we're going to talk about it. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I don't know if I am. I am a <laughs> purely white guy, so this okay. is pretty scary. Well, I, th- I was thinking, I was actually thinking since I'm, I, I am Latino, that maybe I only have to do like seven of the 12 steps. <laughs> yeah. But hey, no, I I think uh, most of these people would agree you pass for white enough that you're still a white supremacist. You're just a white supremacist Latino, I think. <laughs> like, did you you remember that movie Black Klansman? No. That's kind of I do know that like in depending on the argument, I'm uh Hispanic and depending on the argument, I'm white passing enough that I don't count as Hispanic. It just depends on whoever I'm arguing yeah. against that how they view me. Of course. Okay, so let's go through these 12 steps. We're going to assume that the 12 steps do apply to somebody who has white supremacy issues uh, or some sort of subconscious bias against people of color. We're going to just grant them that that is the case uh, as we go through this list. So, number one, we admitted that we had been socially conditioned by the ideology of white supremacy. Yeah, like I said, we're going to assume that is the case with everybody. And if it is, then step one, admitting you have a problem. That makes sense. Okay, step two. We came to believe that we could embrace our ignorance as an invitation to learn. How about that one? I think that that is basically intellectual humility. And I would think that would be your step one, but fine. Step, I mean, it's a great step. I just, I wonder why you wouldn't start with that and then move on to your premise. Right on. So let's go to step three. We develop support systems to keep us engaged in this work. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, if we're all, if we're going to get over an addiction or, or a pathological problem, we have, we have to have people around us that are helping, helping us with that problem. So that makes sense, right? It makes sense. I would think you would build your support after, I guess you address the problem, but I mean, it's fine. I, so I, I would put it further down the steps, but I mean, why quibble? Right, right. Um, and I guess with this one, as it as it parallels to something like alcoholism, if other people in your life know that you're an alcoholic, or in this case, if other people in your life know that you're a white supremacist and you're trying to kick the habit, then they can hold you accountable. I think that's probably why it might be further up, because getting over the problem often requires being accountable to people who know you're trying to fix it. No, that's true. Fair enough. Step four. We journeyed boldly inward, exploring and acknowledging ways in which white supremacist teachings have been integrated into our minds and spirits. I really have to remind myself that I'm accepting this to be true. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) tough. Yeah, this is another one that is pretty good on its face. And, And if we are assuming that white supremacist teachings are prevalent and have just been embedded deep within us, looking inward is never really a bad idea. 
Let's go to step five. We confessed our mistakes and failings to ourselves and others. Another good sentiment, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's really important to have that. Uh, unfortunately, I think if we look at how these these programs work in the real world, it ends up being kind of like a Maoist public declaration of guilt. But I, but the the sentence itself and the meaning behind it, as I interpret it, seems uh, legit. True. Agreed. Step six, we were entirely ready to deconstruct previous ways of knowing as they have been developed through the lens of white supremacy. This one is a little uh, little repetitive. It just means the same thing as uh, some of the earlier ones we've already mentioned, just as far as understanding that we are indoctrinated in a way. If they were going to make it 12 steps, they had to... Uh, you, you got to fluff a little bit, probably. Yeah. Number seven, we humbly explored new ways of understanding, proactively seeking out new learning and reconstructing a more inclusive sense of reality. This is a, a little bit more of the same. Uh, step eight, we committed ourselves to ongoing study of our racial biases, conscious or unconscious, and our maladaptive patterns of white supremacist thinking. More of the same there. I'm just going to move on to number nine. We develop strategies to counteract our racial biases. So now we're finally getting to some sort of action. Yeah. Now I don't I don't know what the strategies necessarily are for this program. In step nine, they they're one of the the journalists interviewed her and she said in this step, Combs talked about thinking about people of color positively. She said that one of her members, when she sees black people out in public, will repeat out loud to herself, Hello, my brother, hello, my sister, hello, my sibling. This reputation, repetition, she said, is private and non-destructive to those around her. That's like so pathetic. Well, I wonder. It's so weird. Like, yeah, well, she says, "Say it out loud." So she's actually saying it out loud, but she's assuming that it's non-disruptive. So is she whispering it? Yeah, I guess people I, probably <laughs> think she's just crazy, just talking to herself. All right, step ten. We embrace the responsibility of focusing on our impact more than our intentions in interactions with people of color. What do you have to say about that? 100% hate this step, and uh, I think we'll talk about this once we're done. Number 11, we engage in daily practices of self-reflection. Wouldn't you agree that we should all engage in practices of self-reflection? Yeah, it's so bland, but I guess true. Like, how are you going to argue against that? Right. And then... Finally, step 12, we committed ourselves to sharing this message with our white brothers, sisters, and siblings in order to build a supportive recovery community and to encourage personal accountability within our culture. Yeah, preach. Preach, my brother. Preach. You got to spread the word. So that's the 12 steps. So we're going to grant step one. Admit you have a problem, the problem being white supremacy, infecting everything you do. So uh, what about it? What do you think? Do you think that the program will be effective at fighting white supremacy. People who are genuinely white supremacists, it has no chance. But I think the program is geared more towards people who are subconsciously racist, right? And of course there are people who are subconsciously all sorts of things. And a ton of white people in the United States have subconscious biases. Granting the premise is tough to do when you can recognize... So many people genuinely treat people fairly, and to to change the definition of racism or white supremacy to mean 
even when you accidentally do something subconscious, uh, that that makes you just as bad as a traditional racist or white supremacist. That's something uh, that's tough for me to swallow. There should be a difference. We're starting to use those terms to mean things that they never meant before, which is, I guess, I don't know. That's what makes the whole thing so provocative, I guess. When you call someone a white supremacist, and I think Christina mentions this um, in one of her comments, is that the term white supremacy is jarring. No one wants to think of themselves as a white supremacist, but I think that's part of the gimmick is that you get people to pay attention to you by calling them the worst thing you can call them and then change the definition of it to meet what you mean instead of what they think you mean when they say it or when you say it. Mm. Yeah, I think granting the premise to be true, I think also reveals an issue with the program itself. It's mirrored after AA. So if you are going to AA, you have a drinking problem. You're an alcoholic. You go there, you admit you have a problem. So I can see where they're going to parallel that to white supremacy. But this program is not designed to appeal to or to try to help a KKK member or a neo-Nazi. It's for, you know, some white college kid or something. Yeah. The issue I have is the view is that white people have this problem as, as, as in mass. And that would be like equating to anybody who drinks at all needs to go to AA and admit they have a problem. So I, you, you know what, uh, you know what that's called is original sin. Oh, the assumption that everybody in this case, everybody that's white was born into a system of white supremacy such that they can never not be a white supremacist. You know, you can only work at it. So, yeah. So granting kind of how absurd it is, what would this program be? If you were trying to make it more analogous to the AA program, you would say, okay, let's find the blatant racist and try to put them in this program. And I just don't think a blatant racist would be able to go through this program like an alcoholic can go through AA and be, I guess, quote unquote, redeemed in in the same way. I think if you took just a, just an old guy that might have backward views that are racist and put him in this program, I think it would have the opposite effect it would probably just reinforce his beliefs. Um, like I said, if someone has convinced that black people really are worse or they should be treated differently, this has no chance of changing their minds. And frankly, I'm not sure what would. Uh, some of my grandparents you know, were kind of like this, where they had learned that it was wrong to be racist, but you know, they still had these habits. And in some way, if you believe one thing or another, you can't just choose to believe something else, right? You just end up believing it. I mean, I think uh, there's definitely white supremacy lurking, but I don't know. I kind of feel like those people just need to die off. <laughs> yeah, die off before... or at least expose themselves to like other cultures. Because I'm sure if they got to know people of different cultures, I think they would be more accepting of them. They would change their mind. So Yeah, I, I agree. My least favorite part about this whole STEP program was STEP 10, like we mentioned earlier. And I think it's because it treats people who aren't white as being incredibly weak. She says in the in the, her comments that it's unacceptable that white people want to sit and clarify what they didn't mean it, that they didn't mean it, and that someone else misunderstood them while BIPOC siblings are living with the impact. It, it's, it makes it sound like people who aren't white can't have a, a normal conversation because they're suffering from so much trauma. And when I think back, there's a part where she says in step four, that she doesn't like to call microaggressions micro because they, they hurt. It just, again, comes off as like being extremely weak. Like somehow white people can have these conversations. They can 
they can take on microaggressions because they're somehow strong and other people can't. I mean, that's what I get from it. I know that she and many people who support this won't argue. They'll argue that's not what they mean, but that's what they're saying. Like, that's what they're implying. And I find it absurd and I find it insulting. That's my feelings on step 10 and why I think it's the worst. And just to add on about number 10, which was we embrace the responsibility of focusing on our impact more than our intentions in interactions with people of color. This sounds incredibly awkward for to be around someone who's constantly viewing you as the color you are. And the truth is, intentions absolutely matter to us. The entirety of our social structure is based on intentions, getting people, you know, influencing people to behave in one way or another. And if somebody steps on your toe and they did it on purpose, your reaction will and should be different than if they stumbled and stepped on your toe on accident. So yeah, I, I just, I can't get behind the whole to hell with intentions thing because intentions really do and should matter. One other thing I will, uh, you know, I've read, I've read White Fragility, How to Be an Anti-Racist. These books make the same assumptions uh, as this 12-step program. Here's the steel man for the anti-racist movement in my eyes. Even if everyone's not racist or has subconscious racism, enough people probably do that if this movement gets people to do the thing, uh, number 11, about self-reflection and just in general recognizing that we develop habits and we do get conditioned to behave in certain ways that we don't realize. If this program promotes admitting that you're not perfect and maybe you are involved in systems that could be harmful to people, I am all for that. And as ridiculous as some of the assumptions are, if we look back, you know, 50 years from now and we can see that, you know, this movement had some effect on getting white people to understand the history of racism and maybe some some conscious biases, then amen. Well, I think that was pretty good. Any last thoughts? Yes, I do have one last thought. Well, we're out of time. <laughs>